we're going to get started though. We've got quite a few people watching. Welcome everyone. Um, so welcome to the AOR Lives podcast. My guest today is Craig Constantine. Craig is a student of Art de Déplacement, a podcaster, a blogger, an avid reader, a casual mountain bike cyclist, a programmer, a systems administrator, and a problem solver. Craig leads a busy life. He's most famous in the parkour community for his Movers Mindset podcast. Um, today, Craig and I want to sit down and talk about interviewing the interviewer. Uh, I want to learn more about the mission of Movers Mindset, how Craig sees his role in the parkour community, and how, of course, to get the most information out of your guests. This is going to be a slightly meta podcast for everyone involved. Meta. I love meta. I wanted to do this with Brandon from Height Drop, and we had it all lined up. Like he and I were ready to like get on our soapboxes and bitch about podcasting. And and at the last second, a windstorm came through the area where I live, and they grounded. I haven't seen this happen ever in my life. They grounded the flights from my little Podunk airport, and I lost a day of a trip. And it was the day that I was planning to talk with Brandon. So I'm I'm totally down for meta. That's that's awesome. I'm brilliant. Um, I like to try and start at the start of these stories just to kind of get people grounded and tell them um, the audience a little bit about themselves. And I guess for you, that's probably philosophy. So yeah, maybe. Um, where did your interest in and love of philosophy start? Um, yikes. Uh, I, you know, born naked, helpless, and unable to fend for myself. I managed to overcome those, you know, things <laughs> thanks to my mom and didn't know. Um, about, okay, so about, and I, I stole that from somewhere. I wish I could find where I got that from. Um, I would say about 20 years ago, and I should just put a date on this. It's probably like 2000. I That was 20 years ago. Yeah, so, so I'm just like, gonna put a date on it. So, so like 20 years ago, I was like, not fresh out of college, but I was out of college for seven or eight years. And, you know, I had a job that, you know, like I had created a business and I was making enough money and I had an apartment and, you know, things were going pretty good. Um, but I was still living like a whack-a-mole style. Like, what's the thing that I have to do? You wake up, what do I do first? Oh, I do that. And then I do this and I do that. And then, oh, it's time for dinner. And now it's time for bed. And that was the end of the day. And there, there wasn't really a plan and that's fine. I mean, I, I think everybody starts there in, in the beginning. And I started to get interested in trying to sleep better and I wanted to lose some weight. This is like, that's um, Craig doing math. That would be 2000. That's like 11 years before I even knew what parkour was. So that, that was long before that. That was just me trying to lead a better life. And I started reading um, more and more. I was really into reading science fiction. And somewhere along the way, I started reading blogs online, started finding, um, references to, you know, things that are just a little Zen or a little stoic, uh, or a little, uh, even, um, I don't know what you would call, I want to say like Epicurean, but even things that come from the religious traditions of Catholicism or, um, Judaism, you know, there's, there's grains of wisdom, I think to be found all over the place. So mm -hmm. it was just these little things I started bumping into. <clears throat> and then that led me to want to be a little more intentional. And it's only in the past, maybe five years when I've really started like picking books off the bookshelf piles and like, you know, I really should read uh, Frankel's Man's Search for Meeting, which like I read for the first time like three months ago. So it's like, that's been on my list that I should probably read this book. Um, so the journey is long, you know, the origins of it are long, but I've really been getting into it like in the last five years. And 
that's, I'm sure you'll want to bring up Mover's Mindset specifically, but that's really where Mover's Mindset comes from. Um, and we can talk about that too, but that's mm-hmm. kind of like the rise of Mover's Mindset is really was me trying to find my own personal, I don't want to say find my way or like figure out what the meaning of life is, but that's where that comes from. That's where Mover's Mindset comes from. Okay. So we, obviously your exploration of a lot of these things comes from an attempt to live a, a, a happier, healthier life. Are those your preferred words? What are your words for that? Yeah, that's, that was the initial, like, okay. I would go, dude, I don't like myself, you know, or Jesus, uh-huh. I don't like, I'm too fat. I like, so I want to be happier and healthier was where it started. Um, but that's not what So I'm how did, about. yeah. So how did that idea um, lead you to parkour and um, what was the process that got you into parkour there? Oh, parkour is a random parkour origin story. Um, I, ran into Adam McClellan, who most people would know through parkour generations uh, in the Americas context. So Adam McClellan and I knew each other through uh, Tai Chi. So I was taking Tai Chi classes at a local martial arts school and he was pinch hitting for the teacher occasionally. So I got to know him that way. um, And we live kind of in the same community. um, So we had bumped into each other in some other contexts. And he at one point said to me, so I was doing Aikido at the time, he said, you should come and like, you know, try parkour and rolls because Aikido, we do a lot of falling and rolling. And it led to me literally with no warning to him, just showing up at a Sunday when they were just teaching classes long before there was the PKG Americas or it was just, they were a bunch of people getting together and training. And I showed up, I think I was 40, maybe 41 at the time. And just about at my heaviest weight ever, which is even heavier than I am today. And I showed up and Adam makes a joke about just like crumbling up his virtual lesson plan. Like, Oh God. you know. (laughs) And I I just like showed up as like a personal challenge. Like I want, well, I want to try this thing. And I had, at that point I had seen like jump London and I had seen a couple of YouTube videos, but that was it. I didn't know diddly squat about it. Um, And I went there because I felt better every week that I went. And I, I was just a part of that. I would like to feel better. I would like to be happier. Um, I mean, everybody who's watching probably, you know, you remember your first class, right? So it was like an eye opener, like, oh my God, I suck at everything. And then just the fact that it was a culture of effort and I fell in with a click of people who are really great people. Um, For my personal journey, they were all half my age or less. So it was just like, just try to keep these people in sight, like not even keep up, just like, what are they even doing? So it was just, it forced me to be humble. Like there was just, you had to be humble or you couldn't come back next week. And that started me that, that, me wanting to be physically in better shape and enjoying hanging out with that energy and those people that led me to then think more about like, well, what the heck am I actually doing here? Like, it's just push-ups, right? It's just jumping on shit. How is this actually a way to improve yourself? And that started to crack open that, Ooh, there might be philosophy underneath all of life, let alone philosophy underneath this movement practice. Um, So that was my, I mean, I can tell you more about, you know, the parkour origin and how I met and stuff, but that for me, it was, it always, when you tell the, when one tells the story, I, I tend to make it be like this. Oh, here's my big journey. It's like, no, I had no clue what I was doing at any point in my journey. It was yeah. always like, if I do this, oh, that hurts. If I do this, oh, that's better. Let's do that. You know, like, I mean, and it's very much like parkour class, right? You, you shame yourself and you're like, okay, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so um, there is no, I don't have a grand plan. I mean, I have a lot of like next actions, you know, read this yeah. book, just find that, you know, talk to this person, but I don't really have a grand plan. I don't know that I, can ever have one but no and i don't think many people do it's one of the interesting things we have this this tendency to always go back and tell a story about the past to make it easier for us to understand but 
the reality is that it was a series of random events, almost always leading up to random decisions. That, yeah. Yeah, that's um, story about Adam. That's not how it really happened. It really happened as I thought I was king of the hill. This is awesome. I'm going to go have a you know, like, get there. <laughs> I love that. I love that's I love storytelling. I love hearing people tell stories. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be completely real to also be a true story in some regards. Right. But we don't have to get into right. we don't have to get into the full meaning of truth right now. Because um, I still want to I still want to unpack a little. <laughs> I still want to unpack a little bit of the story. Um, because by the sound of things, you went from, you went to considering the movement discipline in a relatively deep way, quite quickly. Because you talk about like that idea of, oh, it was just push-ups. Most people go through a period of like three or four years of that before they begin to understand oh, I did more in depth. I went through four okay. or five years of that, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to push back. So, it was quick. <laughs> okay. Okay. So where did the, the, the deeper thoughts begin then? Um. The deeper thoughts started very quickly. So, and I have the, I'm not letting a cat out of the bag. I wrote blog posts about this stuff um, where I didn't like who I was when I would go to a parkour class. Um, and, you know, I would, I would be like the class clown or I would make jokes and it wasn't like I was assaulting people, but like I had to be the, I was going to say like the bully, like, you know, I know a lot of martial arts and I'm a big dude. So it's easy for me to push people around. So if we were ever doing like QM tractor or something, I always had to win, you know? So like I was very competitive and, and I would go home and I'd be like, I don't like that. I don't like that version of me. And then I would like write about it. And then next week I'd be like, you know, do that less or shut up more, stop talking. So it was very quick for me to look inward and find things that I wanted to change. And then I'd read a blog post about, you know, I don't have a good example at, my, at the top of my head, but I'd read a blog post about something Epictetus wrote and I'd be like, oh, you mean people have been solving this problem before? You know, and like the threads, like, you know, the threads are hanging there and you start to go, oh, this stuff like goes together and you have like a handful of threads and then you think, well, instead of just doing these six things, why don't I maybe read the material or read this thing or, you know, go ask somebody about that. Um, so it just sort of all blended together. And then, um, I, I was make, used to make the joke when I was a martial arts instructor about, I don't ever remember becoming an instructor. I mean, yeah, I can, here's this promotion or whatever. But all I remember is one day I realized there were a bunch of people behind me who were asking me questions and I had just been following my seniors for years. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, this is the other way now. What, like you don't, I didn't set out to become a teacher and yet, oh shit, people are expecting me to teach. And, you know, in that context, and I didn't set out to figure out my personal philosophy, but oh shit, I have now asked myself mm -hmm. 150 questions and that's exactly what philosophical, you know, discourse looks like. So I never had a plan. I always had a next action for the next week or, you know, the challenge du jour, like I'm totally, I totally get sucked into like QMing bridges. Like that's, that's my shtick. I get sucked yeah. into challenges. I have a don't break the chain on a chalkboard wall in the next room that goes to the end of the year for a morning exercise. You know, I do that. That kind of plan, yeah, but not a grand plan for my life. So when did Mover's Mindset uh, begin to crystallize? Um, so Mover's Mindset comes from, um, I can tell you the very first one was I had a great conversation with Chris Grant. Might be something about that country there. Great conversation with Chris Grant at an American Rendezvous in Boston when I was a, a nobody sitting at the table, talking to this guy, I won't try to do a Scotch accent, but we had this great conversation about life and Americans and Scots talking. 
And across the table was Jesse Danger, who I didn't know from Adam at the time. And at the end of the conversation, Chris gets up to get a beer or something. And Jesse says, I just eavesdropped the shit out of that conversation. And I could look up the date, but that was the very first time when I realized that sometimes I will find myself in conversations that other people might be interested in. Mm -hmm. And if you think about your own life, everybody watching, like you've had those, you've had conversations like that where somebody else stood there and listened, but that was the first one where I went, whoa, okay, something just happened here. Like Chris had things to say. I don't remember what we talked about. And I had things to say, and somebody else found that interesting. Chris Grant has a lot of things to say. He, yes. he likes to talk. Yes. And I don't, you know, like, hey, more power to him. But that led to other, so I, in my personal parkour journey, I, because I'm old, and have a regular paying job, I can afford to travel. So I was just like, I was the guy who would like, you know, seven kids in high school who were literally jumping on shit in a local town with no concept of parkour practice said, Hey, let's all jam. And I went like, just like, you know, like grab three friends and we went. And that's the time when I got chased off of, I actually had a police officer who should eat less donuts, but with us, this is the States they're armed. A police officer with a sidearm, put her hand on the sidearm and say, you, sir, you're how you should know better. Like, you know, like I've, I've been chased, <clears throat> you know, like, so I, I'm just the idiot who just tries shit, not like physically gonzo crazy. I'm going to die shit, but like, I don't know what happens if we go there and climb on that. What happens if we go to, you know, I'm, I'm in, you know, Italy, can I climb on this ancient thing? You know? So I just went and did stuff. And the more that I did that, the more that I had crazy conversations I've had, you know, you know, I don't want to name names. I've had crazy conversations and people would say, like, literally, wow, I, you should have recorded that. I'd have listened to that podcast. I had that happen. Like, and I'm like, hmm, maybe this should be, maybe this should be a thing. Um, so it, it just sort of grew out of the conversations that I was finding myself in over and over. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I wish I had recorded that so I could listen to it again. Okay. And I fought that for ooh, three years. Like, you know, I have the shiny thing, ADHD syndrome. I, I do not need another project. So for three years, I was like, do not start a podcast. Do not start a podcast. I'm not starting a podcast. So I started a website and the project was originally called Parkour, they said, and it's not named uh -huh. after the pandemic. It was meant to be a project where I could take any topic, knitting, they said, plants, they said, Kung Fu, they said, and like, just like copy the structure of the website. The idea was to get people to write whatever they wanted about parkour or art through plasma, free running, whatever. And then I translated it into the multiple language and stuck it on a website. And that content is all still out there. Um, I'm rearranging it all, but it's still there. I went on for three years and I learned the very important lesson that writing is hard and everybody already knows that. So all, you know, hundreds of people that I hounded were like, stop bugging me. And then Nick Anastasia in Boston said, dude, stop hounding me to write. I can't write. Why don't we just do a Skype call and then you can transcribe it. So I did the very first interview that I ever did with Nick, and it was just me prompting him to empty his head into the recording so we could transcribe it. Um, I don't know if that ever got published. And then I did a couple more like that. And then everybody else just said, dude, you're basically doing a podcast just, and then I went all in on like the audio gear and the microphones and, and then I set some challenges for myself with the podcast. So the audio podcast, I, I'm very intentionally, I only interview in person. So at the moment I have some that are recorded that we're releasing that we already recorded. Um, and I don't actually have a technical, like I know when I'm recording the next one, but if we have to pause the podcast, we will, but because I'm only ever going to do those in person, and I do do video interviews um, virtually, but I have some things about interviewing that tie into that, but 
that's where the podcast comes from. Along the way, you know, I went, why is it called parkour? They said, I was spending my elevator speech explaining the stupid name. So it got renamed Mover's Mindset. Cool. That's, um, it's, I was, I, I'm interested in why we choose to do things like that. And I'm interested in it from my perspective, because my story is very different with the terms of this podcast, which is I'm pretty much just interested in having interesting conversations right now. And I figured that since I had the lockdown happen, I wondered, I'm probably going to be able to convince a whole bunch of people to talk to me. And so because our retreat was coming up, I went, um, this is a really good excuse for me to just sit down and have really cool conversations. Yeah. And so you're now my 12th interesting conversation that I get to have. And you know, I'm also publishing it for everyone. Sure. It's, there's a whole thing there, but the, the <laughs> there's a lovely piece of intrinsic yeah, motivation, which I've, there's a lovely piece of intrinsic motivation here, which is um, one of the, the, the main leading reason I'm doing this is I want to have interesting conversations and think deeper about things. Yeah, I, um, I agree. That's what I'm doing. I just want to have cool conversations yeah. with people. I like traveling the world and jumping on shit too. If I can put the three at the same time, that's awesome. Yeah. And also, I think one of the really nice things about the way you're doing it is you, there's a, there's a sense of intentionality, which is I have a reason why I want to visit this community. I want to sit down and have a conversation with this person because they can give me this perspective. So you've got the legacy associated with it. You've got the experience associated with it. And the intentionality gives you a reason to do it. And it brings that whole thing together in a really positive way. You might be imagining structure that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, because there's, there's only so much that, and I'm, I'm just going to say, there's only so much that one can pull off because I, I push things as far as I can with organization. Um, so there's a limit because, and, and I really feel that in person is the only, is the way that I get the best. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's a lot to unpack there, but I found that that really restricts what I can accomplish. So, you know, there's like, you can only so many people you can get to, and I want to be this person, but he's in New Zealand. I'm like, all right, well, he's down for an interview, but I'm not flying all the way to New Zealand for, <laughs> I mean, I would, if I could, but there's a limit here, you know, so that I wind up, I can only do so much. So I do try to keep in mind, um, you know, like we worked really hard, we being uh, people on the team and I, we worked really hard to, you know, oh, you know, we've got a lot of guys on the podcast. So let's try to bring in, you know, there, there's a whole nother gender here, people. Let's bring that voice in mm -hmm. and not because we want more women in parkour, but just because we want to hear that voice more. Um, mm -hmm. So then I worked for a whole calendar year just to like, I don't know, let's go interview a mom who's got, you know, kids and like find somebody that we know and just try to bring that in. So yeah, there's a lot of intentionality about what we're trying to do. We're very mindful of that. No pun intended about Uber's mindset, but in the end, it's like, I make the joke. All I'm trying to do is get to the part where I press record, like record to stop. And like everything up there, I work as hard as I can until I press record. But then when I press record, it's like all bets are off. I don't, I don't have pre-printed questions. I don't have an agenda. I'm not thinking this person needs to tell me all about the women's perspective, or I gotta, I gotta talk to Max and learn about jumps. I went to, went to Max's house and I was just like, whoa, music history. And the, that's where the podcast went. Like there was no <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Max Henry. Sorry, you know that that was one of the really early ones. And um. So that's, that's the way I do it is I do as much work as I can up front to like make things work 
and I have a lot of ideas about what works and what doesn't work and what's good to try and not. Um, but when I get right to the actual thing, I don't have an agenda. It's very, I find it's really mm-hmm. hard to be both in the conversation, enjoying the conversation. So you were saying you want to have good conversations. Yeah, me too. Guess what? If I have a good conversation, I can't get what I was, I can't get anything big picture done. It's really mm-hmm. hard. So I do Wait. try to be like three quarters in and one quarter out um, when I'm interviewing and there's a lot we could talk about there, but. Yeah, I definitely having experienced that interview process, it was very pleasant because it did allow us to just sort of wander. And then of course the joy is every time we talk, we do tend to wander off. Yeah. Um, but then physically, I also, I think. I like when we get to wander physically too. <laughs> I need that, to come back to Scotland. You, you do? It's a lot of good whiskey here. Um, I, I did my best. I, <laughs> I think I can make it <laughs> Um, the other bit of that, uh, that is, um, of course, I also want to touch on certain interesting aspects because I want to get you kind of on the record about certain things, which is why I kind of send the questions in advance. So, you know, that I'm going to be hitting you with specific questions. And one of the questions, uh, that I do want to get to is that you have a very interesting relationship with different forms of social media. Mm. And I'd love to kind of get you talking about why you left Facebook why you've taken everything off Facebook and then the flip side, why you've chosen closed social media groups like the forums as the way you want to communicate. Because obviously that's significantly more difficult. So why are you going down that process? I would say it's hard, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So without doing, if you want to hear my social media rant, which I'm not going to do, the social media rant is in episode 25 of the podcast. and I think it's fun because I've changed my thinking a lot. That was maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Um, and I've changed my thinking. My thinking has gotten a lot uh, deeper. Like, you know, I think it was pretty superficial two years ago. So the first challenge is my personal experience and personal interest or lack thereof in social media and then movers mindsets, you know, how it act, interacts as a thing. So me personally, I totally, I mean, I remember when they invented all that stuff, I'm, you know, been on the internet forever, but I totally remember being into Facebook or, you know, into like, I was into all that stuff and it just became, all right, I've only got so many waking hours. Do I want to do this or do I want to do this? You know, like I never was much of an on, well, online gaming happened after, you know, but, but like, I was never really into video gaming. It's just, I did it as a kid. I had an Atari system, but I just never stuck with it. And it was like, do I want to... How could you like, not love the Atari? Oh, I love the Atari. But that was when I was in high school. Like the, the Atari, <laughs> it, Atari was invented when I was in senior high. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I remember Pong. Like that's a thing that they invented. Anyway, so I totally understand having interest in Facebook. Because I wasn't like looking at cat videos. I was, you know, exchanging pictures with my friends and, and like reading stories and engaging with other people in, you know, through Facebook, through Twitter. Um, but now when I look at, okay, I've got, you know, 16 hours or whatever that I'm awake and I've got things that I would like to do, not have to do, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to do. Yeah, Facebook's on that list, but it's just, it never makes it above the, you know, the old newspaper metaphor, it never makes it above the fold. You know, the joke, is that above or below the fold, right? Take your to-do list, put a, a line in the middle, everything below that line is never getting done. It's on the wrong side of the hill. So all, social media and all that stuff for me personally, is just on the wrong side of the fold. I'm, my mom is on Facebook and she sees photos of her nieces and nephews who live a significant distance away from her, works for her. Um, but my mom and I communicate 
well, I see her twice a week for dinner or whatever. Um, you know, so it's just, I don't need social media. I don't think anybody really needs it. And it's just doesn't mm -hmm. make, doesn't rise above the level of like, I don't have time for that. Um, so I think it's, so that leads me to like a discussion and you can, you know, ask me more specifics, whatever you want. But in terms of movers mindset, the question is, does a business, because movers mindset is a business, it needs to, I mean, it needs to like, I can't just like throw money in, in the fire. You know, you gotta, you gotta figure out like, how is this going to generate some revenue to pay for the plane tickets to travel the world? Um, so does it need to be on social media? And I, I think the answer is a resounding no, it absolutely does not need to be on social media. Um, and we do have, we do have a social media presence. I do, it's me. I do post things on Instagram. Um, for a year, we tried using a service to schedule and be really active and it generated no actual benefit. Like people didn't listen to more podcasts. People didn't even like DM me in Instagram and talk to me more. I had a couple of people, but like not any less than I still have now. Um, so Movers Mindset does have an Instagram account. I do look at it every morning for direct messages and stuff, but it just never resulted in anything that I wanted for Movers Mindset. So I was like, all right, we're not going to delete it. Like if people search on Instagram, I'd like you to find my project, not some clone that somebody were to spin up. So it's, a, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram but we don't really create anything for those accounts. We just, sometimes I take a, I point my Instagram app at my computer, like, cause I'm too lazy to like take the thing, <laughs> take the picture, just like here, you know, here's a shot of what's in the forum. So it, it never really was anything that movers mindset needed. Uh, you know, I always say, you know, a hundred people, I, I, how many, you know, the thing about the monkey sphere, how many individual people can you interact with directly yourself? And it's something like a hundred human beings beyond a hundred uh -huh. human beings. You're going to start having trouble remembering who these people are under a hundred. You'd be like, Hey, how's the wife and the kids and your new dog. And like at a hundred, you can, they call it your monkey sphere. Um, uh -huh. That's I'm a regular person. A hundred people is about the most that I can interact with. So I'm more interested in, finding those hundred people that want to interact with me, like you guys or people at Art of Retreat or, you know, whatever I want to interact. I want to interact personally with people. And then, okay, if movers mindset can, I'm going to say facilitate other people assembling their own groups, you know, conceptual groups, like, yeah, I listened to this podcast and then I talked to the guest when I ran into them or seven people strike up a conversation in Instagram about a video interview I did with Amy Slevin or, or something to me, that's success. Like movers mindset is not about <clears throat> getting everybody to interact with me because I can't handle 12,000 people. Right. Uh -huh. So that to me is like, okay, we're present on social media. Movers mindset is present, but it's just not, it's not something that I'm personally doing. And it's not actually what movers mindset is about. We don't want to become uh, what do they call that? Um, a social influencer? What's the thing where you have? I have 50,000, you know, Instagram followers. Therefore, yeah. you let me stay at the hotel. I was like, no, we don't. I'm like, no, go, you know, like if you, if you, if you listen to a podcast interview and you want to know more of what someone so has to say, go talk to them. You know, like that's, um, that's part of my definition for a podcast episode's success is if somebody, one person listens to the episode and then when they encounter that guest in real life or on social media, if they can strike up a conversation that skips all the stuff that the guest is sick of hearing, you know? So if you, if you go and I don't know, I don't want to pick a guest out, but if you, if you've heard that podcast and instead of going the, Oh my God, I love you dude on social media. If you can just skip all that and go to the, I didn't know you were interested in dot, dot, dot. Like that to me is a definition of success for the podcast episodes is you've become closer to that guest 
And then you can go have a meaningful exchange with that guest in whatever space you can get at them or, you know, you bump into them in. So that's a little bit of my social media. I mean, there's, I also have like philosophical issues with, uh, so social media, like let's be specific, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those things are specifically intentionally, they are grabbing us by the Ozo handles for manipulating us. We all have Ozo handles sticking out of our head from millions of years of evolution. Yep, they're there. And social media grabs those and says, ooh, you get a dopamine bump if you do this. Like, and if you think your mind doesn't work that way, you are mistaken. So I don't like to put those handles out there for anybody to grab a hold of if I can help it because I'm easily distracted. Um, so I don't like being manipulated that way. So that personally puts me off of those systems. Um, and I used to get pretty on my soapbox about you should get off of Facebook right now. And now I'm more like, you know what, if Facebook is providing you with value, stay on Facebook. Uh -huh. If Facebook, in my case, doesn't provide me with value, then get off of Facebook like that. I think people, everybody's in their own place in their journey, and they might not ever feel that Facebook is a waste of their time. Then I'm, I don't, I have no place to tell people you know, what they should do. It's just my opinion is for me, it doesn't provide me, it does provide value. You know, oh, I missed a party, you know, like an invitation. Mm -hmm. um, and after the fact that it occurred to me, I'm like, well, I wonder if Hedge is expecting me to be on Facebook to join a Facebook live. I'm like, how is he doing this? Oh, wait, it's a Zoom call. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes it does come up, but those are really rare. I mean, most of the time I'm yeah. just like, oh, right, Facebook, that's a thing. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, yeah, I can have, I think from my perspective, I see two sides to that because I um, I think in an ideal world uh, and what I uh, I would not so presently I do not have the Facebook app on my phone uh, but I do have the messenger app um, and I'm exactly I was able I was able to do that because um, the business is no longer at a, doing anything because of lockdown but once the business starts up I need Facebook on my phone because I need to be able to answer people when they ask me questions. I need to be on top of things. Um, and it drags you in and it's really good at that. And it's a problem, but fundamentally it's a tool that I need to use for my business. So I see it very much in the terms of double-edged sword. So I'm quite enjoying, um, I got rid of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for my phone for a while. Um, only Instagram came back and Instagram came back because um, I don't have another way of accessing it at a different time. Yeah. Twitter, I don't need at all. Facebook, I need to check every day. You know, like I need to go on Facebook and just make sure the stuff's, but that's, that's all. Yep. I do that every and, morning. <clears throat> and I, right. I think that's a much healthier way to deal with it. But um, the flip side being, of course, I do want to accept friend requests. I do want to talk to people. I do want to have some interaction with it. Uh, but no, I, I'm really noticing the negative effects of it. Um, there was a big fight on Parker Research yesterday and it upset me for two oh, days. Oh, I forgot all about Parker Research. <laughs> it upset me for two days that I just didn't need in my life. Um. And you just, you don't need to do that. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. But, I, so I can kind of. I, yeah. Hmm, Parker research. Hmm, forgot. But then I, the flip side is, <clears throat> the flip side is, of course, that we're using Facebook to push this out. And of course, you don't know this, but um, this is actually getting huge amounts of engagement. So uh, Chris Keithley and John George and Mark Turok and uh, Yanni Lorila, loads of people are just chatting away. Uh, Nick says hi. He's actually watching Nick Anastasia. So he heard you yeah, tell the Nick. story of him. Okay. Um, I got to dig, dig that up, Nick, and publish it. <laughs> all right. So there's all these. So 
the joy is, of course, we are engaging people through this format. So I, I very much see it as a double-edged sword. I fully kind of agree with you, but then I also have to kind of sit here and uh, take the other side as well and go look at all the good it does, even though it's such a problem. Yes. Well, here's here's a good, I think this is a good off-ramp. Um, so Max Henry and I had a discussion. I don't know, he's episode four or five. And mm -hmm. we were talking about like, what happens if it gets into the Olympics? And this is all pre-fig. What happens if like it gets commercialized and the thing changes? And he made the point, which I love, which is that the dream would be that when whatever the evil monster is that shows up, Olympics, commercialization, you pick your own evil monster. When that evil monster shows up looking for a place to move in, all the spots are full. Oh, there's 12 podcasts. There's 15 video shows. There's 70 parkour clothing lines. There's 15 coaching certs. Everything is all filled out by people who are passionate about the thing that they are in. That was my access point. I'm like, that's brilliant because... I don't like, I don't see my podcast as competing with anybody else's podcast. I, I actually think the podcast sucks. I'm constantly trying to make it better, but I love the fact that Brandon is overdoing the athlete point of view thing. Like he can conduct an interview that I could never do. Cause I am, I mean, I'm, technically I'm an athlete, but like when you look at people who actually do parkour for realsies, I am not an athlete, right? I could never have those conversations. I'm like, yes, somebody who's an athlete, please go do that. Somebody who's passionate about, you know, doing video interviews, please go do that. Like do all the things so that when the monster shows up to try and present parkour or ADD or free running, whatever it is you love, they try and present it their way. Nobody cares because there's already 70 different people who are passionate people doing it grassroots. That's what I mean. So yeah, if, if people are engaging on Facebook and there is one of us in the global community who like loves that, absolutely go, you know, please do that. And just cause it's not my, <clears throat> not the thing I've chosen to focus on doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done or that somebody shouldn't do it. Cause I think you're, you're fighting the good fight. So you're in Facebook making the things that Facebook could be. Right? There's a whole bunch of well, stuff that's like, oh God. I'm but I'm particularly bad at <clears throat> social media. I don't like I get told off for not posting like I, I train and I do create I do create beautiful routes and then I don't post on Instagram. And my <laughs> friend's like, but you just created this beautiful route. And I'm like, Yeah, it was awesome. Yep. So I fully but yeah, I get it. But also I don't know, I just I much prefer to create real communities. Um but then like I'm a communities guy, so it's the idea of the way we create communities on social media is like this huge thing that sits next to where I am right now, but I just haven't quite ripped open yet. Um, I'll maybe deal with it once social media has calmed down and stopped trying to manipulate our every <laughs> breath. It could be a bit of a wait. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Um, Chris K. Um, says specifically to you that your podcast doesn't suck and <laughs> he, I, this is this is this is good because it leads into my next question which he really likes how you get your guests to be the most interesting versions of yourselves and my next question for you was anyway going to be what are you generally i know you've kind of said a little bit but what are you thinking about when interviewing people what are you what is going through your brain i love talking about this okay um 
So my mind goes like a million miles an hour as I'm doing an interview. <clears throat> and I, I have to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain a little bit. So there is a person named Melissa Way who uh, you haven't, who I know you know her, but she didn't come along for the interview that I did with you. So you didn't meet her in like the interview context. So okay. Melissa and I, whenever possible, we do the interviews as a two person team. <clears throat> and there's a lot of dynamics that change when there are three people in the room and that works very well toward making it easier to conduct an interview. Um, so uh, there are some things that I have offloaded. So I am not thinking about taking notes about what we've covered remembering the name of the book that the guest just said or how to spell like all that stuff. So I'm, first of all, I'm cheating. There's another person in the room who does all that hard, tedious, really important work about like writing down everything that we're doing. So you're meant to write down. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do it your way, but I'm saying part of the reason why the episodes <laughs> come out so well is because we take notes and we also take notes about what the guests say before and after. So we actually ask the guests how, you know, what was the experience? Like, what'd you think? Blah, blah, blah. We take notes about that. And then we do like little after action meetings once a week where we talk about that. So when I'm in the interview, I have the luxury of not having to do anything other than be in the interview. I, I do mix the sound levels myself, but that's really trivial. So I'm usually thinking, I'm trying to have three mental trains of thought at the same time. And I was gonna say, the reason I'm unpacking about having somebody help me is I have at once, one time I did three interviews. It takes about three hours to do an interview. I did three interviews in one day in like the same place. I had three guests come through. And at the end of the day, I was completely exhausted. I have done a little bit of heavy training and I was as tired as I've ever been like training with the Amok after nine hours of trying to do interviews. It is exhausting. So three things at the same time. One is, holy, I love talking to this person. Just, I wanna just sit here and have a conversation and Tulene Kanaj's episode is way over in that train of thought. There's a lot of me and her having conversations and engaging. And that's really uh, blown up or magnified in that one. That's episode 78. And the second train of thought is all the logistics. I may have things that I know we don't want to talk about. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes I may have things that we do want to talk about. Like they said, oh, don't let me not get to like, so there's logistics. There's a little bit of question about time. How long should it be? Um, there's logistical questions about guests will usually talk as I'm doing now until they are completely out of breath and exhausted and they need somebody to take the speaking baton from them to just be like, that's really interesting while they catch their breath. So there's a, there's some Kung Fu that goes on there too about conversational logistics. So that's the second thing I'm doing is trying to be mindful of all the nuts and boltsy stuff about talking to another human. And then the third thing, this is really hard to do, is I am literally at all times trying to imagine a like triangle of people who are sitting behind me. And I love not having to do it today. A triangle of people behind me. I have particular, particular specific people. I'm not telling you who that I think of. Guest says something. And I think, what would that person, would they have just called out bullshit? Like, would that person have just interjected a question. Is that person going to know what that acronym just meant? So I'm trying to imagine in real time, actual people who are stuck behind me who can't speak. And all they can do is listen and maybe tap me and like hand me a note. So three things so is like be in the conversation, be mindful of like logistics of a conversation, and then try to imagine the people who are listening who can't speak. 
So that's really hard. And I definitely absolutely was not doing that on episode one. I have a million great stories, but I was not doing that in the early episodes. Um, and by the time, probably like in the thirties, when I got into like 30 episodes in, I was doing all three of those. And, and I don't okay. know, I'm mindful of the time. I could tell you why or where all those come from. They all come from things, rabbit holes. I went down on purpose about like, oh, how can I make this better? Oh, I could do this. And that's, that's where those three trains of thought. I'm interested in the third one that idea of having like for me I what I I interpreted what you said there in terms of I'm imagining my listeners and what if they were sitting behind me listening at this moment in time what would they how would they want me to follow up with that right um so have you spent some time consciously deciding how you go about that process um yeah kind of what does that like because is there an intentionality there built around this okay movers mindset is looking to answer these questions so the people are going to be like this is it customer segmentation uh, a super classic business I, style the people in the fa the phalanx behind you or the triangle behind you the people in the phalanx are chosen on purpose they're the people that i would like movers mindset to serve like so i i fix that that big picture problem like how do i make movers mindset go the right way with the next question I asked, I just cheated. And I don't, I don't have like Rodney Dangerfield back there, you know, ask him a question about the, you know, like, I, like, that's the way to cheat that is just don't even bother imagining, um, you know, like sexual innuendo questions, like, you know, in a conversation, you could make jokes, you could, you could be inappropriate, you could, there's all kinds of things you can do, just don't put that person in the peanut gallery that you're imagining. <laughs> And then all the questions that come up, oh, they're all, they're all interesting. They're all on topic for movers mindset. Yeah. Like well, I cheated by who I put, you know, who I chose to think about, you know, imagining. Now I say that I'm trying to do that continuously. I might do it like a little glimpses and flashes. A guest will say something and I'll hear that phrase. And then some particular person pops into my mind. And then I quickly go, oh, we got it. And then I like interject and we need to turn left because that is really interesting so it's you can't do it continuously i think you can mm -hmm. really only have one train of thought but um you, you can but always, is is uh, one of the ways you're doing that kind of like a build-up of experience of having had these discussions so I, like I think are so. some of the people behind you the people you have previously interviewed um does that let the cat out of the bag yes so some of the people behind me have been interviewed i'm like i have to like run through my litany of i i feel so yes is the answer to your question but i also feel like i'm not sure that i have a set like specific i have 12 people in an egg crate you know container and i put them oh yeah yeah I start. no no I'm... i think they tend to appear so sometimes a guest will say something or I'll think of something in response to what they're saying. And then a person, like another person that I know, like a real human will pop into my mind. And, and then I'm like, oh, and I, I almost feel like, yes, that's an excellent point. You know, and I feel like somebody else told yeah. me, stop, you can either follow that, you know? So yeah, no, I'm, I'm and, kind of, I very much am aware of the, the, that feeling you're talking about. We're like, my friend X would say this about that issue. I had to learn not um, to do that because <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I, my friend X, I can name drop, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. I don't ever want the podcast to be about me, like a particular episode. I mean, unless we're doing an interview Craig episode, but if I'm talking to a guest, I, as much as I can, I want to get out of the way. Like mm -hmm. in some episodes, um, Took me a while to get this under control i would just like launch into these stupid craig stories or like craig being the clown and i'm, and I'm like i'd listen to the afterward of the rough and i'd be like holy crap can we just cut all that 
shit, Al, like who cares? Um, because who wants to, if, who wants to hear, like, even if it's 10% me, who wants to hear 10% me for a hundred episodes? Like that's a lot of Craig. Well, that's another way of interviewing that you look at some of the most famous interviews in the world. It probably Joe Rogan's probably on the most famous podcast in the world. And half of it's him talking utter rubbish. That's half the fun of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I admit I have never listened to a Joe Rogan episode and not because of anything against Joe Rogan or it's just, I have never actually gotten around to um, I tried listening to Mark Maron's WTF podcast mm-hmm. and I, I picked a couple and I listened to it and I, I just was like, I mean, it's not nothing wrong with it. It didn't make me want to throw up, but I was just like, it doesn't draw me in. And uh, it's, that's my personal preference for what I want to listen to. And I just went like, and I moved on. Um, I tend to go off in the weeds. Like I've taken, you know, online courses from Alex Blumberg. Uh, it's the guy who started plant. He is the guy who started planet money. One of two guys. Um, and he was talking about using storytelling to, to power your podcast. And I don't actually use storytelling to power movers mindsets episodes. That's not how I construct an episode. Um, but I learned a ton just from listening to him talk about how he constructs episodes. And I've done other things like online podcasting courses and other podcasters that I talk to and, you know, hang out with and stuff. Um, so yeah, I've kind of built my own tool set, which is, results in me creating the things that I create in podcasts and in the interviews. Um, And that's, you know, circling back, like, that's why we need other people to also be doing this. It's not, you know, winner take all it's if there's 15 of us doing this, it's really cool. Um, Yeah. Cause each one can obviously do something different. Like you mentioned a height drop earlier. That's something getting from it. Yeah. I really believe that people listen to movers mindset. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are some diehards. I hope there's some diehards out there who listen to every episode, listen to them twice. But I really think what happens is people are interested in someone that I had the opportunity to talk to. So they're really interested in, you know, John Doe. So they listen to that movers mindset episode. And honestly, that's even more challenging to create the language grammar backup it's even more challenging for me to create something which works in that scenario, because you're going to come into that podcast. You don't know Craig from a hole in the ground. You don't know his mindset. Shut up. Fast forward over the thing. Where is the guest play? Now Uh here's an hour. If that's going to work for that person who doesn't know me at all, there can't be any inside jokes. There can't be any stupid rambling 20 minutes of Craig. It has to be a really good interview. So that's another, like I try to make each episode so good that you could listen to just that one. If the guest interests you, interested you and then and then you go away like you're that you're you're that was awesome great okay i think it's very i don't agree with you but i'm okay with not agreeing with you in this case if you know what i mean like i see your point totally but i also kind of go one of the things that can draw people back is hey the way that person interviews interests me because they bring in certain questions and that idea of getting out of the i don't know because so many of the guests I've interviewed so far, and don't get me wrong, I'm only on 12 and you're on like 100. So we're at a different stage completely. <laughs> um, no, we're still on one. Uh, <laughs> every day we're doing your first one every day. Um, but one of the things that I feel like, one of the reasons why I want to have these conversations is there's those moments in interviews when someone isn't challenged on something they're saying. And like, no, at that point in time, they should be challenged to back up that statement. Because mm-hmm. th- and this is to go full meta this is an example of that don't you feel like um you'll get more out of your guests if you manage to grab onto the more interesting insights they're saying and you kind of rub it a little bit so they don't get away with just 
the simple stuff and get into um, the deeper I, stuff. Yeah, that you definitely can get interesting material. And I don't want to say more interesting. I mean, more like you can get more volume of material, not like it is more interesting than other kinds. You can get more interesting material that way, but that's just one way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I am, I, I am super mindful, probably to a fault of trying to be aware of, I'm going to say my reputation. So I, I, I would like to think that I have a reputation for being respectful and being honest and not leveraging people off each other or like, you know, interview A and then say, well, B said that you're full of shit, you know, trying to do that um, just because that will tend to close doors for me down the road. Um, I, I don't want to say I hate confrontation, but I probably hate confrontation. So I generally just like, I'm not going there. It's uphill for me. I'm not going up that hill. I'm going this way. Um, okay. But you're right in that you can get, and even if you don't take it to a malicious, like you're going to become argumentative with each guest, which there are podcasters who do that, like that's a thing. But even if you don't go argumentatively at it, um, you would get great material and like, you know, maybe you're, what you're doing now, please go do that podcast. Like that's, that's a great thing. Um, I, just my personal experience is the interviews, like I've had some interviews, which were, uh, I'm going to say like personally, deeply uh, touching, like, you know, like I have an interview and it's like, wow, I almost feel bad that we're recording. Like I, now I wish this conversation and not because it makes anything that was, but just like, you know what, these mics are in the way. Like, can we, you know, we have to sit three feet apart and like all this stuff. So there, I've had many conversations where I'm like, I would have preferred to have this conversation without the mics, but the mics are what got me here. So mm -hmm. I'm have that, that's going to happen. Um, so it's just, I, I really, maybe the takeaway is, yeah, you can do either one, but I, I can't imagine the chameleon I would have to be to be able to do like, hmm, okay, let's see, hedge, nobody likes hedge. Okay, we're doing the aggressive, you know, one today with hedge. And then tomorrow, everybody loves this person. We're doing that. Like, I don't know that I could imagine ever being able to change like that. Um, now you see, this I is the, one of the joys of this, which is that I'm willing to just challenge everyone based on anything. So maybe, I mean, maybe the thing is, I'm just being me by pushing people to answer more difficult questions. Yeah, I, I think that's completely true. You, you're, you're only simply being you. And that's, I mean, like, you're great. Like, that's great in and of itself being you. But when you bring that to a medium, like a video interview, um, you know, people who are watching, and I always go, who would ever watch anything I say? People who are watching, you, I have, I've touched you. Like, that's it. Your, your thinking has just been changed by something that Craig said or something that John said. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I take that very seriously. Um, I'm very mindful of that. You know, when I'm talking to people, um, you know, when I'm talking on, on recording, I'm very mindful of that. Like, uh, I, I'm really good, uh, when it comes to the physical interview, I, I, I go to great lengths to find the correct place to do an interview. I mean, like I talked before about, I want to get to that part where I press record. I literally do everything I can up to pressing record to get the best interview. And I am well aware that that really breaks down barriers for people. Like I've had guests who show up and they're nervous and sweating and I can, I can read all that. And I'm like, uh, you know, what, let's go get some coffee or, you know, let's go get for tea or whatever. Um, and spend an extra hour with them until they're comfortable and they get to know me. And then it's like, okay, now I have this completely like, here's a superpower. You better use this for good, Craig, because like, if we would like an interview with dirt in it, I could do that really easy. All I got to do is ask you this question instead of that question. And you will forget what you're talking to a recording and off they'll go. So 
I try to be super mindful of that power. And for me, the easiest way to never miswield that is to just, oh, I don't even go up that hill. I don't even go toward the controversial stuff. People bring up controversial stuff on their own. They're like, you know, I really feel like I should talk about X. I'm like, okay, I would love to talk about that. Um, I, it's, it's interesting just to, for me, the most, the, the bit of this that I really like is to hear you consider that concept in it's the entirety of the framework, not just from one side to kind of be pushed and then to go, I'm comfortable with what I did, makes me feel really good. But it does bring up um, something that I'm thinking about a lot right now. And I don't know that I'm worrying about it, but I think it leads a really interesting consideration, especially when we're talking to parkour practitioners, because um, a lot of parkour practitioners are at a point where they are excellent movers and they are they have really an ability to do things and consider things and kind of make choices in their life that and a lot of the decision making process that they're going through when doing almost all of these things is quite subconscious and is not considered in the way of philosophy and when you ask a lot of practitioners these quite deep questions and get them to start talking about what they're doing using words it might be a new medium to them um and so what i worry about is that so much of so much of human storytelling is basically they do a thing and then they make up the reason for why they did the thing later that's how our brains often work so i suppose my first question is to what extent do you give credence to that line of thinking do you worry about that line of thinking and do you take any steps to make sure that the answers are deeply considered instead of just justification placed on subconscious ideals yeah okay so that's easy um <laughs> i would say i mean that's a classic that's a classic john question um which is fine <laughs> i would say yes so i give credence to what you're saying and it's that's a very important thing like how our minds work and how we think I mean, like we believe that one thing is happening when no in reality you're actually making up a story after the fact rationalization um so my short that the tldr is the fact that you're worrying about it problem solved in other words you're going to be uh, on one end of the spectrum of the kind of person who doesn't make that mistake those mistakes in your own thinking but that also means that the work that you do, and for example, these interviews, that also means you're going to be really, you got a flashlight for that. And you're like, is it, it? Oh, there it is. Like you're, that's the kind of thing you're going to be after. So the things that you create, these interviews, articles, whatever you're doing, the things you create are going to be, are going to hew closely toward ferreting that out. Mm -hmm. And so that that's like, my second point is, yeah, the fact that you're fixated is the wrong connotation, but the fact that you're fixated on that personally means that your work will help to improve us all because that's your thing. It's, it's not my thing. I, I don't focus on that so much. Um, but the fact that you're focusing on it, it makes me feel better for the human race. Like, great. Somebody's thinking about that. You know, this philosopher did that and this person did that. And this, you know, like somebody went out and did the whole anthropology, like don't interact with them. Just be, you know, there's a whole anthropological aspect to all of what we're doing. Um, so that's, I think the second part. And the third part is how much do I think about it? I, uh, I'm going to say I never 
it, the thought comes up. So sometimes somebody will say something and, you know, I do like the dog and, uh, you know, and I try not to do that because humans are really good at picking that signaling up. I try to just squish that. And there have been a couple of cases where people have said things like, and then like in the interview, they'll be like, you know what? I need to walk that back. And we, we do do edit. Like we do cut mm -hmm. out some stuff, not a ton, but sometimes people, I call it a mulligan be like, Oh, that did not come out the way. Could we? Yeah, absolutely. We just cut that shit out. Do it again. Um, so sometimes people do make up or they espouse bullshit or they make up rationalizations. Maybe they've been carrying them out for three years. I don't know. That'll come out. And if it's kind of minor, I will be like, you know what? I, it's really not my place. I'm not the, I'm not the truth police here in this, you know, in the interview I'm doing. And usually if it's really bullshit or something, I'm surprised at how often people go like, you know what? I, I really don't like the way I said that. And now that people will walk it back. So that may be, maybe my spidey senses for this effect uh, aren't as uh, attuned as yours are. So, you, you know, you might call bullshit way more often than I would call bullshit in the exact same scenario, but um, I do, I do keep it in mind. I'm way more concerned about, about the, the tone of the engagement. Like just when I'm talking to someone, I'm way more concerned about, can I get, we always call it good tape, even though it's not tape anymore. I'm way more concerned. Can I get an hour and a half of good tape here so that when I look back on it six months later, I don't throw up in my mouth. And when the guest hears it after release, because the guests are not involved or given any input whatsoever in the project, I press stop, see you later. Um, when they hear it months later that they go, and this is what usually happens, they go, whoa, I mean, I remembered that was an awesome conversation, but whoa, that was way better than I remembered. You know, I was like, yeah, I cut out the couple of stupid things we did. And you're like, so that's what my main concern is that I am, I mean, I am really hyper aware of, I'm creating things that are as permanent as you can make them. This is, I'm not, I mean, I'm mm -hmm. doing anthropology, but I'm not really doing white paper peer reviewed anthropology here. But, you know, every one of these things that you create, I create with, this is pretty damn permanent. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like try and delete it. I don't know, it's copied in the cloud, it's backed up. Like these things are pretty permanent. And I'm mindful of, I would like to not do any damage with any of the work that I do. If I do a whole bunch of work and I accomplish net nothing, I'm okay. As long as I'm not like that interview makes that person look bad or that interview damaged those two people's relationship because the shit came out on tape, like that kind of stuff. And I, I, have, I have some stuff like that. I have a 45 minute conversation with somebody. And at the end of 45 minutes, I said, you know, we talked about that before we started recording. And we said, we, you know, I mean, it all got cut out. Like, and it was just because it wasn't what would make that person be seen in the best possible light. And that's what I want to do. I want to show up, physically show up. And I want to give them a soapbox here, join me on the soapbox. And I want them to be able to present themselves in their best possible light. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting. Um, what you just said uh -oh. fascinates me because it's almost exactly what um, one of the photographers, specifically the portrait photographer, Victor said when I interviewed mm -hmm. him. And it's really cool that two different mediums um, can have almost the exact same justification for their behavior. I raised this question with Victor at the, the ARDV last year. Uh, he gave a presentation about photography and I, I'm sorry derailing your train of thought, but I, at the end of it, I was like, so do you find, and like this exact thing I asked him and he was like, Oh, that's a good point. And we were actually talking about it a little bit. I don't know if he even remembers that, but yeah, I, I, I'm crazy interested in finding other people 
who are doing this kind of work in other mediums, like photographers, videographers, people writing books. Um, not that I want to go be an anthropologist somewhere, but I'm interested in the mechanics of what it is that I'm doing as much as I'm interested in the, in the interviews. I, I'm like Jones in to go interview people. Like I haven't talked to somebody in front of microphones, you know, in person since, uh, Bring that working. So, uh, it was sometime in 2020. I, I interviewed um, somebody. I don't. I want to name names until the interviews are out. But there's an interview coming in the next few weeks of somebody that I interviewed in New York City right before COVID. Um, but since then, I haven't had a chance to get the mics out and talk to people. So I'm I'm dying to do the thing. Um, but I'm interested in also talking about doing the thing with anybody who will, you know, as you can tell, don't ask Craig questions about things he's passionate about. No, it's like. Um... I think when we, we touch upon these things, we have these conversations. For me, when we do so, we like giving space to explore these ideas lets us further understand why we do them. And for me, the like I, I literally have questions for you. Like I was like, I'm doing an interview. I want to talk to Craig about it. Craig, do you want to be in my podcast? That's how this process is going. So for me, it's a very rewarding experience. Um, I think I do want to come back to one last thing before we start wrapping up, sure. um, which is the idea of like being risk averse when you are trying to present someone in the best possible light, I find quite, um, I, 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 I want to challenge it, which is funny because the point is not to challenge people when they're doing those things, but um <laughs> <laughs> I, also this is who john is so <laughs> yeah but again i'm not trying to like say you're wrong instead i just want to contextualize it and one of the things i find really cool about the interviews i've done so far is i don't think i've ever interviewed someone going you are wrong but i've kind of gone hmm that fits perfectly within who you are and what you do for this reason and if we look at what you're doing through your spectrum it looks like this but if we look at it through this other spectrum it looks like that let's talk mm. about that yeah, was it Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius who said nobody does anything wrong? Everything they do is right from their own point of view. Which who, which of them was that, or was that Seneca? Anyway, sorry. That's I don't even know. Um, was that even Stoicism? I feel like that's that might be Epicurean. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your train of thought, but yes, I totally agree with you. Um, it, I, I don't think I don't think it's Marcus Aurelius. It's, it's not derail your train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> Of course, the really the worst part of all of this is that we can just wander into philosophical holes. Um, <laughs> so let's let's put a pullback. I really like to end these. I like to end these podcasts with really practical advice, uh, which is Craig, if you are going to be giving advice to people who want to create valuable content for the world of parkour, what sort of advice would you give them as their first, the first thing? Don't make this mistake. Or what is what is your big juicy piece of advice? Okay, my big juicy piece of advice I stole from somebody else, which is why haven't you done it yet? So if you are sitting there thinking, I want to do dot, 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 insert whatever you were thinking, I want to know why you didn't do it yesterday. And like, please go do it today because you should have done it yesterday. The only, and I didn't know this either when I started, the only way to figure out what you are even doing, let alone what you should be doing, is to go out and fail. And I don't mean fall off the manpower gap in every, I mean, go out, you know, like, right, like not that kind of fail. I mean, go out and figure out what it is that is causing you to be interested in the thing you want to do. So if you're thinking, I want to make a video log, or I want to, I want to be an Instagram, whatever you're thinking, 
you should have started that yesterday because every day that you work on whatever that is, you will get better at it. And because I have no clue what the next thing should be. And I have no clue what you, dear listener, would want to even work on. So I have, I can't give you advice. I mean, I could, but I'd be an idiot. Can't give you advice specifically, but I can tell you everybody that I've talked to, I've talked to literally thousands of podcasters in the courses that I'm volunteering. They all say the exact same thing. Oh, I don't like, here's what I'm like, just start. Like begin on the thing that you want to work on a year later, you'll look back and go, Oh my God, that was so, you know, but yes, move forward. Like that's, that's my only piece of advice I have is just start on it and go forward. Um, don't pin your hopes to it. Don't pin, you know, don't remortgage your house on the first thing you're ever going to try uh, reasonable. Um, but also uh, Amy Poehler said like the, the beautiful thing about being young is you, you don't know that you could fail. So you take big swings. Uh-huh. Um, the very first thing you try, you're going to take a big swing and that's awesome. Um, so that, and that, that ties back to like that thing I mentioned that Max Henry brought up about, we want everything to be grassrootsy occupied by, I don't know who the most awesome Instagram video creator person is going to be, but I want to see it once it exists. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I've seen a lot of really cool YouTube videos and where did that stuff come from? Well, there's 900 shitty ones that came before the killer one. So uh-huh. yeah, go, 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 go create, go make, go do it. Yeah. I think it's also, <clears throat> One thing that's really convincing me right now, which fits in with that message perfectly, is this idea of the... Well, how do you feel a dozen in? Like, you know, are you thinking like, uh, are you thinking, shit, well, I should be on 20. I should have started a week before I started, right? No. Um, I'm, what, I'm, what I think about when I hear you say that is the idea of all I did was I started a Zoom call um, and I posted it to Facebook Live. <laughs> and the joy of that is it was, it was what they call, it was what they call the minimum viable product, the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did a thing. Just do a thing and let it be rubbish. You'll learn more from doing a rubbish thing than you will from spending a year trying to build the perfect product and failing. Yeah. Instead, just do a whole bunch of things and it will and morph into hate. the thing you want. So, yeah. There's always, um, always going to be somebody who says, eh, that sucks. Or, I didn't like that. Why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it that way? And, well, I mean, well, if they listen to an hour of me talking to someone in, in order to complain, then there's something deeply wrong with that person <laughs> maybe they were taking notes at two minutes and 37 seconds you said this piece of... <clears throat> there are people I, in the park. I actually okay. don't get i don't get a lot of negative feedback i get i get people who give us uh criticism like uh why do you only interview parkour generations people and then i i, I like go huh like have you scrolled through the podcast list or why do you only interview people from america i'm like have you scrolled through? you know so like i can get a little bristly about what, but they mean that constructively. They mean like, oh my God. And then what I say is, well, who do you want me to interview? And then they have a list. That, that's what I want to know is who do you want me to interview? And then I have a list of 300 people that are like, you're the bullseye is on everybody. Like, this person happened. So, that's definitely going to be an interesting one for me next, which is um, so far, I've literally been reaching out to people that I think are interesting. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the next stage, which is probably going to be more like, people are going to tell me who they think are interesting. Then I'm going to find out about them and then I'm going to write questions for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, it's very much a case of, I I'm just a, going to reach I out to people. To take the podcast. I want to get to a point and like, yeah, please go like join our membership system so that I can afford to do more of these. Um, I want to interview. So like I want to interview you, right? And then I want to say to you, not just who do you want to interview? Who do you want me to interview so that you can hear it? I want to take my whole setup and you and go to that person 
and I want to facilitate the conversation. So like, if you want to just be shy, like this wouldn't be you, but if somebody wanted to be shy, I'll do the interview with the person, but you're going to sit there. And then eventually I'm going to give you a mic. And eventually you're just going to like take over. And it's going to be that kind. And I'm going to be like, there, that's, uh, I want to record those conversations. I, because there's a lot of effort goes yeah. into making, you know, even these simple things you're doing, there's a lot of effort goes into it. A lot of setup, a lot of prep. And I, I wonder if you could do that at one of the big gatherings. Absolutely. I, I, I was thinking about that last year about, I you, did. You, you, you vaguely talked about it at Girl Isle a couple of years ago. Yes. But that, idea, yes. That, that idea of chaining is very interesting. So you start interviewing one person, you see who they want to talk to, and you have that interview, and you see who that person wants to talk to, and right. then you sort of chain. Yeah. So everybody who's listening, think about the person that you want to hear interviewed, right? So you imagine that person, and whether it's, you know, hedge on video or me on audio, whatever, picture that person. And now you think, well, Craig or Hedge could go do that better than me. And we say, no, you, you know them better. So now we take you and our, and like we plop you down in the environment and then we like, okay. And all you have to do is have that conversation you wanted to have. How many great conversations like that could, you know, John, you and I record or Brandon or like, um, yeah. So. I really I like know. it. Um, should we finish that. off just by giving you a bit of space to tell people how to access Movers Mindset? Um, Oh yeah, the boring on stuff. all on all the boring stuff that they yeah. might want to do if they want to find out more. You've got how many interviews on there now? Uh, so there are seventy eight movers mindset podcast episodes. There are, I think, fourteen. Um, their movers mindset, their video interviews. I do structure them. They're done a little differently. There are forty five minutes on purpose. Like they're a different structure. Um, and then <clears throat> I did uh, like something like fifty interviews for Art of Retreat in Seattle in two years. So there's a whole art of retreat, the podcast or art of retreat has a podcast itself. So there's 50 mm -hmm. interviews that I did on there. Um, I lost my train of thought. Why, why was I bragging about numbers? How did I get on that? Uh, um, you're, I was basically trying to give context for the oh, amount right. of stuff. Forget how many there are. Mindset. Um, there's two ways. <laughs> if you, if you want to, why would you, if you want to learn more about me or keep up with me, just go to my blog, which is Constantine.name, N-A-M-E. Um, you can, like, you can go there every day. You can sign up on email. You can follow on RSS. Um, so that's, that's me. It's Constantine.name. And if you want to find or follow Movers Mindset, just go to moversmindset.com and it will tell you the podcast is over yonder, the forum is over here. You can search for Movers Mindset anywhere, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google, what are your favorite search engine, and it will find you all the things. But it's just constantine.name and moversmindset.com. Cool. And we pop those links in the comments of this uh, video. Thank you so much, Craig, for your time. It's no, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for doing all the hard work on that side, because all the hard work is on that side. Um, I, I know, but on the other hand, uh, I got lots of interesting things out of you and things Learned to, to say. About. Thank you. <laughs> took me a long time to learn to say thank you. Thank you, Craig. Um, we're going to finish the blog there. Thank you. Uh,